just actually a couple of weeks ago, we were uh, we were working with uh, with a, with a young girl, and there's so many little things like uh, she, when she put on the device for the first time. That was the first time she was able to roll down both of her long sleeves. Like she's she's on <laughs> a long sleeve shirt. She's never been able to roll down both sleeves. That was just like one of those little things. I'm yeah. like, wow, I've never even thought about that. Hi there. This is the SolidWorks Born to Design podcast, a collection of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas into actual new products. And by the way, they all use SolidWorks. I'm your host, Cliff Medling, and this episode is titled Changing the Vision for How Prosthetic Limbs Are Created. Listen as my colleague, Mark Rushton, interviews Easton LaChapelle, who is a man who had a vision of designing state-of-the-art prosthetic arms for children, which he started designing in his bedroom with a basic 3D printer. You would not believe where this idea has taken him and who he has met along the way. It's an amazing journey in a short amount of time. So let's jump right in and hear his amazing story. Hi, everyone. I'm here with uh, Easton LaChapelle in uh, upstate New York and here to hear his story. I remember seeing Easton as a 14-year-old, was it 14? Yeah, 14. 14 when you visited the White House. And then again, uh, more recently with a new new version of what, what you took to the White House and I've just been completely inspired by that story. So great that we can share it with with a lot more people, hopefully. Absolutely. So Easton, tell us tell us your story. How did it all start? Yeah, well, you know, looking back, um, well, to give some context, I grew up in a very small town in Colorado named Mancus. The population was about 1,200 people. You know, I was a kid who would run to school and, you know, I took it seriously, but I, I always loved tinkering and taking things apart when I was little. Uh, I always had a curiosity for how things work and why things work. I would take apart microwaves, toasters, appliances, uh, video games like VCRs, anything to get my hands on. And a lot of that had electronics in it. So I started realizing that a lot of a lot of what was taken apart had these small black chips that seemed to power the world we know today, these mm-hmm. integrated circuits. Yeah. And uh, there's an incredible amount happening there. But I, 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 I was always looking for a way to really understand what was happening beneath that surface. Uh, and that's when I was about 13 or 14. I started to turn to the Internet. Uh, you know, my school, my graduating class in high school was about 23 students. And so you can imagine there was a lot, a lot of limited resources. Uh, and so I would run home from school, turn to the Internet. Um, and the internet provided two main things for me. It provided access to a vast amount of information. Um, I could look at tutorials and videos and, you know, I'll read blog posts and forums. Um, it also provided a way to communicate. So I could talk to experts in these fields, really understand what was going on within, you know, some of these, these engineering disciplines. Um, and at that time, I was looking for a project to dive into, to really understand, start grasping wow. a lot of these. Okay. I, love, I love tinkering and taking things apart, but now I was looking for a way to combine that into one and and start creating. And after a couple months of researching, I decided to make a robotic hand controlled by a wireless control glove. Uh, essentially, this is a robotic hand that when you move your hand, it would uh, copy and mimic your motions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, as you can imagine, that's software. And There's a nice easy project to start with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was a little far-fetched. I mean, this is when I was 14. I knew nothing about engineering. <laughs> um, you know, the software, electronics, the mechanics, you know, wow. even just building a robotic hand is, uh, is, is a challenge in itself. But luckily, you know, I was, I was motivated. This was something yeah. I... I didn't think about a project. It was mm-hmm. it was kind of out of curiosity and boredom, running home from school so and was, tinkering. And there was nothing that made you think I want to do it. Like you didn't see something. There was no. It had. How did you decide on that? <laughs> 
I, I don't know. And I actually get asked that, that question uh, quite a bit, like why, why a robotic hand? And um, I think for me, it, it, I, think, I think it was a couple of things. It was very open-ended. It was, I could start very simply. Um, it also encompassed, uh, you know, a lot of different disciplines of engineering. Uh, and it was, it was something I could relate to. It was something that was interactive. It was fun. Uh, you know, a lot of these other projects, they, they seem fun to do, but, you know, wh- what happens when you get, when you, when you complete it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where's, uh, what do you, where do you go from there? Um, and so I saw a lot of different ways I could, you know, just the, the robotic hand alone, new actuators, uh, the software behind it, the control systems, uh, there's a lot there. Uh, and that's when I started to, to start creating. I, I used Legos as plastic supports, uh, fishing line as the tendons, electrical tubing as the fingers, uh, small servo motors from RC airplanes and hmm. pieced together a robotic hand. Um, and it, it took, uh, it took a couple months of trial and error and, it was an evolution. You know, I actually remember, um, you know, I, I grew up in a very small house. And so I was, you know, tinkering on the, on the living room table and I started turning my bedroom into a lab and staying up very late and, uh, started to learn, you know, software and Arduino and, uh, turning to the open source community. And I kind of just found a passion and love to create. Uh, so it was, it was something I, you know, run home from school and start working on well into the night. And, um, it started really transforming, you know, something that was, was interesting when I think back is, uh, uh, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of trial and error and failure. And, uh, that actually, I, I owe a lot to that. Um, you know, a good example, I, I used XB radios and uh, I bricked those very, very fast. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was hard to grasp that. But actually, by bricking them, I understood exactly what was going on and how to fix that, which made me learn, kind of forced me to learn um, all the in and outs mm-hmm. and how to how they actually work uh, at a yeah. system level and how to incorporate that better. Yeah, I think that's where I went wrong. So I'd, I'd take stuff apart <laughs> and then not be able to put them back together again. So <laughs> it's, it's, awesome. a, it's a yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the skill to have. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. And so, when when did you first come across three D printing? Was that just something you you found on the internet? And yeah, so you know, looking back, uh, this was when I was fourteen. So this was probably back in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. And this is when three D printing was just starting to hit the consumer market. This was MakerBot Industries. You know, the original cupcakes made out of laser cut wood. You know, the really the really interesting, cool printers, and you know, very maker you know level. And this was when it was just starting to hit the the, the consumer market. Market. This was, uh, I just completed the, the first robotic hand. I plugged it in. I, I saw it working. You know, it was, it was amazing. And it totally motivated me to take it to the next level. You know, what if I added an opposable thumb or individual finger joints, made it look more human-like, and then add a level of functionality on top of that? Uh, you know, there was, it was, it was exciting me. There's a lot mm-hmm. to, to, to evolve. Uh, and, and it was, it was the obvious next step was to go beyond these electrical tubing, you know, pieces and, and fishing line and to evolve into a more custom kind of, uh, kind of version and design of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is when 3d printing started to really come into the picture. Mm-hmm. I started to teach myself CAD and, uh, actually at the time I was, I was, uh, into a lot of, uh, video making and yeah, Adobe after effects. Oh, and, okay. uh, that's when I started getting into motion tracking and that was kind of my intro into thinking about 3d and, uh, very, very simple 3d modeling. Um, and so it was, it started to kind of get my mindset in the world of designing a, you know, a fingertip and, you know, how do, how the joints can interact. Hmm. Um, that was a really cool part, you know, actually designing something in 3D. And then, you know, at the time, uh, you know, I never 3D printed anything. So actually being able to think like, I can design something that can be physical and that I can, that I can make truly custom. And that really changed my thought process yeah. of creating. 
the, the problem was I didn't have a 3D printer. Uh, MakerBot was still um, kind of in its infancy, so it wasn't there wasn't it wasn't widely available. I couldn't go to my library. You know, there was no like Shapeways or you know mm-hmm. uh, contract manufacturers like that. Um, there were some high-end uh, contract manufacturers. I remember sending my design out to a couple of them. Uh, in Colorado, and I was getting quotes upwards of about five hundred dollars to print this robotic hand, um, and that was that was too expensive for me. I had I had yeah. the money from mowing lawns over the over the summer, <laughs> and uh, that was too much. That's um, a lot of lawns. Yeah, yeah. So I had to, I get a little creative, and and it it actually comes back to the internet and utilizing social media. I actually had a friend uh, who was an electrical engineer working at MakerBot Industries. He was he's been helping me with some software here and there, and kind of under, helping me understand it all. Uh, and he was able to throw it on the printer one night, and I had to pay for shipping. So it was kind of <laughs> utilizing the internet and uh, and kind of the crowd in that sense. That's, that's um, awesome. So that that changed everything. I, I I remember the moment very clearly when I opened up that box for the first time and mm-hmm. and saw something I designed actually uh, physically in front of me. And that was yeah. that that changed a lot for me. Wow. Yeah. That. And then and then at some point, did you did you obtain your own three D printer or did you build your own? Or yeah. So this was I got my first three D printer uh, for my sixteenth birthday. It was from a Kickstarter project <laughs> uh, from a company called PrinterBot. Okay. And yeah. uh, it's it's again it was all laser cut wood. It was mm-hmm. you know kind of the first of a kind from you know Kickstarter. You know those were kind of the the Gen One uh, mm-hmm. you know prototypes and everything yeah. like that. And um, but that that changed everything for me. That was that was something that uh, I had running 24 seven in my bedroom uh, and it really <laughs> changed the whole, the whole process behind it. Um, yeah. So I, I went from this 3d printed hand to full uh, robotic arm, started working with other motors and uh, pretty much growing every aspect of the project. So software is getting more intensive electronics, mm-hmm. um, looking at the power systems, the sensors. Um, and that's when I started getting into new control systems as well. So uh, I, I really enjoyed the the concept and implementation of telerobotics. So being able to capture human like motion and um, you know, with the gloves and other sensors, on your arm, um, and that's actually uh, at the time. Uh, th- this was when a lot of media attention uh, was starting to to pick up on, about what I was doing. With uh, I was featured in Popular Mechanics magazine when I was mm-hmm. 15 uh, with with some of these these initial designs, and I uh, started to you know kind of get all started entering these into science fair, and that started to evolve into other other publications and and media opportunities. And um, I was featured in Popular Science uh, in 2013, and uh, the the Robonaut team at NASA actually saw that article and reached out to me through email and said, you know, we love what you're doing. Do you want to come down and do an internship at John Space Center and work on the Robonaut project, which was uh, really centered around telerobotics? Uh, so that was that was that was a, a pretty cool little treat yeah. uh, along the way. So what strikes me about your story is there's there's so many barriers that would have stopped a lot of people yeah. from doing that. And it, it just seems you found a way around it. And yeah. it's, it's really like it's a truly inspirational kind of message because firstly, you didn't know anything about robotic arms, yep. but you decided to tackle it anyway. And then, you, as you said, 3D printing parts was too expensive. But again, you just found your way around it. Right, exactly. And, and I think I think it, there was a level of of me being naive or, or not like, you know, like I, I when I, I remember growing up and thinking about, you know, like people who make robots and how... 
like how amazing that is and how cool that is. Um, but it always felt so distant to me that, you know, how do you, you know, that's just probably only a couple of people that do that. You know, mm-hmm. how do you actually make money in that world? And, um, and it, it was kind of a goal of mine to, to get into that world, but it seemed, it seemed so far away. But then, you know, all these opportunities and, you know, it's, it, I didn't look at it as, as barriers. I don't think mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, just another challenge just yeah. to, just to, you know, figure out and, and, you know, that, that for me seemed fun. Yeah. I mean, that, that's <laughs> such a good mindset to have that you can, you just see it as a challenge. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's awesome. So the, you say there was nothing that really kind of inspired you or, or is there something in the kind of engineering making kind of world that is truly inspirational that perhaps where you see yourself in a few years time maybe yeah you know i i love the i love the the practice and and implementation and uh really the process of turning ideas to reality that's a it's a very exciting process of you know going through the napkin sketch and then converting that into 3d models um you know refining and, and iterating and then being able to produce that physically and implement that into a system and um that's a really exciting piece for me is mm-hmm. uh is, is really incorporating a lot of that um i also really like the system level of it all it's not okay. only just mechanics it's really looking designing a full system and that's that's something i think i really enjoyed and i think uh if i had you know, other skill sets. If I, if I was really strong and mechanical, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have done what I, what I, what I've done. And, uh, it was, it was exploring all these different disciplines equally. And, and, and if one lacked, then it would completely change the full project and, and product. Hmm. So, um, for me, it was just exploring the unknown, you know, learning new things. And for me being able to find these resources through the internet I could learn at a at a rapid pace and my own pace and through my own learning styles and I could talk and and iterate extremely fast and you know print and work on new code and you know as the consumer electronics get better and mm-hmm. uh, you know adding wireless radios there was just a world that was just at my fingertips that yeah. excited me and made me made me actually want to do something about it huh Wow. So, and and now, obviously, we should talk about your company, yeah, Un- yeah. Unlimited Tomorrow. Tell us how you got got into that, and yeah. So, you know, everything that we talked about up to now, this has been kind of a uh, before a really special event uh, that happened to me, and that 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 event really motivated me to take this to the next level. Uh, this was in 2013 uh, at the State Science Fair in Colorado. Uh, there was it was during public viewing. I brought this robotic arm, this full robotic arm that could toss a ball to you, shake someone's hand, it could interact with people. Um, I welded together this giant steel skeleton to hold this this arm, and it was uh, it was pretty. Amazing. Amazing. But I met a small girl that had an $80,000 prosthetic limb that was simpler than what I created. Uh, and for me, it was an eyeful. It was, you know, there was kids and adults running all over the place. I noticed this one little girl, she, she was looking at the details more than anybody else. She was moving the fingers and it caught my eye. And I realized that she was missing her right arm and was wearing a prosthetic device. Um, and it was an eyeful. This was, this was a, you know, very simple human-like claw prosthetic device with one motion, one sensor next to this robotic arm I made that had individual finger motion, uh, you know, better control systems. It was, you know, it was human-like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it surprised me. Uh, and I started talking to her parents more about this and understanding the process, uh, you know, what, how, much, how much time it takes, the, the cost of it. And it, it, it really opened my eyes, especially for, for children missing a limb. Mm-hmm. Um, found out that it had taken months to create. It's about $80,000. And there's a psychological aspect of, yeah. you know, if, if this little girl gets bullied at school, she, she really needs and wants a prosthetic limb to 
make her feel you kind of fit in mm-hmm. um and that that to me just was that was the moment that i realized that this was bigger than me and i saw a lot of opportunity to take what i was doing in front of my bedroom and impact people's lives around the world as this girl is not the only one and pretty much right after that moment i I remember actually, uh, this was about uh, eight hours north of where I lived. And on the whole uh, car ride back, I started working on new designs. I was pretty much drawing and sketching the whole time. And right when I got back, you know, went into CAD and started designing up this this brand new prosthetic limb, essentially. Hmm. So completely 3D printed custom gearboxes, very organic human-like shapes, uh, better mechanics, functionality, the control system as well. And, you know, when you think about a prosthetic, it's really a self-contained robotic hand uh, or an arm or leg mm-hmm. um, and, and a very intuitive control system behind it. So just kind of two pieces to the puzzle. And you're essentially merging man and machine. And so that's a that's a difficult task. Even just one of those is, is mm-hmm. pretty difficult with creating a, a human-like self-contained robotic hand that weighs yeah. within that range and looks and has the feel and, and dexterity and, and uh, functionality behind that. Um, and so I started looking into brainwave headsets. You know, how do we, how do we really turn either these muscle movements or, or thoughts or you know, certain triggers into movements, mm-hmm. uh, make this as intuitive as possible? And, uh, and that, that's really where kind of the, the development process started to really take off, mm-hmm. uh, you know, actually being able to, uh, I've kind of learned the, the 3D printing process, the, the modeling process, the iterative process. Uh, at this time, my bedroom, it was not a bedroom, it was a lab with a bed in the corner, and, uh, and I was just, you know, kind of enthralled and encapsulated with everything mm-hmm. I was doing, and yeah. uh, it was exciting. Um, and so this, this again, is where uh, media attention started to really take off with certain magazines, publications. Uh, this project, I, I won second place in the world in engineering at the International Science Fair, which oh, put nice. me on a lot of people's radar. Uh, and that's when I was invited to the White House uh, for the White House Science Fair in mm-hmm. 2013, where President Obama shook hands mm-hmm. uh, with the, with this arm. Yeah. Um, and that was a really amazing moment. That was, uh, that was, yeah. that was, that was special. I, yeah, uh, I guess. I hope he shook your hand as well. Oh, not, he did. Not yeah, just yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I mean, and, and for me, it was uh, it was special, you know, just coming from such a small town and being able to, uh, you know, be at that level. I thought that was that was impossible, and that was, yeah. um, you know, it excited me as you know, people like that are are you know showcasing mm-hmm. innovation and and young people creating, and that needs to happen a lot more within the STEM and STEAM world, and mm-hmm. um, you know, that was. For me, I thought it was so far out there. And it's like thinking that, like, oh, people can't actually make robots for a living. Like, that's so far out there. But these kind of moments happened where it really made it tangible and uh, and kind of kind of showed what, what could really happen in, yeah. in that world. Um, I was invited to give a TEDx talk in Denver mm-hmm. uh, where I started talking about my, my creation and going from my bedroom and t- learning from the internet. Um, and that's actually how one of my main investors, Tony Robbins, who's yeah. an amazing motivational awesome. speaker yeah. and life coach, he, he saw that and reached out to me. He said, I, I've helped people around the world psychologically and I'd love to take that, uh, help you take that a step further and help mm-hmm. physically. Um, and so this was when I was just about to graduate high school. I was 17 years old, just about to turn 18 and, uh, and decided to, to go into this full force. Uh, you know, I had all this momentum behind what I was doing. The designs were making huge leaps. Um, and it's starting to, you know, get to the point where we can actually work with, with amputees and start testing these in in person. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty obvious choice uh, Mm -hmm. for me to actually take that to the next level and start a company. Um, so February of 2014, Unlimited Tomorrow was founded. Um, so Tony Robbins helped provide some startup capital and mentorship and guidance and 
go from a bedroom to a garage and started <laughs> building a team and resources, you know, getting good 3D printers. And it's been amazing. So this was, that, that, that was almost four years ago when the company was founded. And between now and then, uh, a lot of this has been slim R&D, really validating, proving out this technology and really creating a business model and structure to support that. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at this as we're not only helping a couple, you know, little, little girls or a couple people around the world. Uh, you know, we're helping, we're helping over 40 million people uh, globally. And there, this is a big problem. And, you know, of that 40 million, only 5% of them have access to prosthetic devices. Wow. Um, and this is a problem that not a lot of people know. Like everybody's mm-hmm. seen or, or, you know, as, as, you know at, a, at a grocery store has seen someone, uh, you know, missing a limb with a, with a prosthetic device, but um, never, they never realized how, how, how big that problem is. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of problems, not only just the accessibility, but the cost. And as you can imagine for a child, uh, you know, if you're missing a limb, there's psychological aspects of, of, mm-hmm. of missing a limb and not having a prosthetic device. And, you know, if you look at it, it's pretty much between a, you know, 10 to $80,000 pair of shoes, uh, you know, every mm-hmm. 12 to 14 months. Yeah. Um, and that's, that to me is just not acceptable. And um, so, you know, using new technologies like 3D printing, 3D scanning, um, AI to augment and automate this process mm-hmm. uh, really is really what this market needs. And mm-hmm. it all comes back to the user and the people who can benefit from this. Um, and I think that they've been neglected over the last, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years. Um, it's been, you know, three big global companies that run the industry. There's been very little innovation and it's really, there's, there's a lot to that problem, but it's really building new technology up, creating a business model that's scalable so we can, we can solve this problem at a global level. And uh, that's really where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, we started working with, uh, with a number of people. This year, we're working with 100 uh, amputees uh, around the world, a lot of children and adults, uh, to be able to continue validating and testing this technology. Mm-hmm. Um, we're rolling out a new, a new model within prosthetic devices where we actually deploy 3D scanners to the amputee in the comfort of their own home. So a family member friend scans the arm that they're missing and opposite the full arm if they have one. And we use that data to extract measurements and to make them your image. So we've using SolidWorks and a lot of the kind of our custom design workflow, mm-hmm. uh, we, we input these measurements into kind of a master model that then we can make a customized device within a matter of seconds awesome. for each person. So then we deploy that to a fleet of 3D printers uh, that can print in, in a very strong material, but also in color. So we can match skin tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we assemble it and, and ship it back to the person. Wow. That must be incredible when you see someone wearing, wearing your device. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so amazing. Um, just actually a couple of weeks ago, we were, uh, we were working with, uh, with a, with a young girl and there's so many little things like, uh, she, when she put on the device for the first time, she, this, that was the first time she was able to roll down both of her long sleeves. Like she's, she's huh. a long sleeve shirt. She's never been able to roll down both sleeves. That was just like one of those little things. I'm yeah. like, wow, I've never even thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's a level of like deep personal impact. And, you know, for me, it evolves a lot of my passions and those passions have been evolving, you know, it's still turning ideas to reality, you know, pushing technology to the max, you know, using, using new manufacturing methods to solve, you know, big problems at, at a global mm-hmm. level, uh, but then really being able to impact people's lives at a, at a, at a deep level. And, and we always, you know, one of the first things that we ask is, well, what's something that you, that you can't do that you really want to do? And it could be uh, holding a camera or, you know, going kayaking. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. just certain things like that, that, uh, yeah. you know, this technology or um, with them missing an arm, they've just never been able to do. That's been, you know, really special. Yeah. Uh, we actually have a tagline uh, where we create these, uh, we, we create devices as tenacious as the people who wear them. Um, yeah. And that's something that we, we really tailor and make, make mm-hmm. very unique. Um, we've also fit a, a tremendous amount of technology into this. Uh, and really, it comes back to the user experience. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we have fingernails for the first time that someone can paint. 
which is a, a, a very kind of obvious but overlooked feature mm-hmm. um, in a lot of other devices. Um, and so that's something that we really, you know, we really want to, you know, put kind of as a top priority we have uh, wireless charging so there's uh, no connectors you just put it on a base and uh, overnight and it's charged Mm -hmm. right up we have a battery life that lasts three to four days which is Hmm. better than any other device yeah Uh, better than most smartwatches yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and and all this comes back to really creating the product from the ground up Mm -hmm. and so um, almost everything that we do is custom made Um, so there's no off-the-shelf components our pre-designed systems that we implement, which have a lot of these inefficiencies and a lot of the problems of current devices. So everything's really custom and, and built around the application. Mm. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have force feedback. So um, oh, wow. someone actually has a sense of touch when they pick up an egg. And we've been pioneering new biometric sensors to read muscles at high resolution and, and get a world of data that we, uh, we get so much data that we actually have to implement uh, pattern recognition and, and machine learning hmm. and deep learning to actually decode that and convert that into something meaningful for the person. Right. So uh, certain grips. Mm-hmm. Um, and so creating these full feedback loops to the user's mind. And so we're, we're getting into a really amazing uh, side of this where there's a lot of data that can really change the, the user experience for the better and make it tailored, very unique to them that... Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it functions uh, to the brain as if it's a, if it's a real hand, and we're we're finding that that reduces learning time tremendously. Uh, within the first ten minutes of uh, of uh, Momo, who's one of the first recipients of a device, you could actually see the moment where her brain clicked and she started focusing on moving the hand versus moving her muscles, hmm. and that's a that's a really special moment to witness. Yeah, yeah. I guess in a way you're trying to catch up over thousands of years of evolution, and in a few years of. Uh starting the company <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely it's it's tricky and you know a lot of these technologies uh you know as you can imagine can be applied in a lot of other areas mm-hmm. and you know as a uh, really the big the big uh, message of unlimited tomorrow is augmenting the human body mm-hmm. so we're starting with upper extremity prosthetic limbs uh looking at lower extremity prosthetic limbs you know with this business model and, and structure that we're creating we can accommodate a lot of these new products um and really solve solve these problems at a large scale wow. Uh, also looking at mobility and, and exoskeletons and how we can use to new technology and motors and battery systems and things, really systems that we're creating to help benefit someone's life and make them either more independent or mobile or, uh, you know, psychologically, you know, benefit from going to school and not getting bullied or something like that and hmm. the level of functionality along the way. Wow. That's incredible. All the barriers you've overcome, like being being a startup, one of the challenges is always kind of funding. And you said you, you met the right people at the right times. What, what's the plan for kind of continuing working with these hundred amputees? Yeah, well, so earlier this year, uh, we actually turned to uh, to a kind of a, an interesting way to raise money. Um, and that, that's really setting the bar for us. So uh, you know, out of the limit tomorrow, we, we help people in, in very deep personal ways. And so we, we felt it was very natural to turn to the crowd. And so there's there's lots of ways that we can utilize crowd and crowdsourcing um, and, and crowdfunding. And uh, we chose to go through a, a financial round through equity crowdfundings. So we went through MicroVentures and Indiegogo, and we actually broke records. We raised about $1.6 million in 30 days through awesome. equity crowdfunding. So over 1,200 investors. Um, and it was a really good fit for that. And we really want to utilize uh, that that the crowd as you know we're we want to turn to the people to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so later this year, we're creating another uh, Indiegogo campaign uh, to raise money so we can donate the next 100 units uh, to people around the world to help continue testing and validating this um, and really help take this to market and, and bring this to life. That's awesome. That's such a great cause. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, check out, check out Unlimited tomorrow on, uh, on Indiegogo. 
So well, what's next? Are you, you kind of expanding to other body parts for, for people? What Have you thought any further than that? Or Well, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot in the works. Uh, you know, just, just recently we moved to New York uh, to be able to expand a facility and getting some really amazing support. We have some amazing enterprise partnerships, uh, you know, with the So and some, some other large companies that help us, you know, find the best technology. Um, and, you know, on a product perspective, we can make a better product faster and better and also help bring it around the world. Um, so really, we want to master the upper extremity limbs. We want to cater to below the elbow, above the elbow. Um, and uh, we've been changing designs to really cater to to the mass around mm-hmm. that. So, you know, part of this also comes back to solving this out of global problem. It really comes down to relationships. Um, so looking at uh, partnering with foundations and nonprofits to help take this around the world are the people who really need it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the people who need it most are the people who don't have the money or, or it's not accessible to. Mm-hmm. And we really want to solve that. Yeah. Um, so we're really focused on that. Um, you know, as you can imagine, this technology is very cross-platform. So that's something that we're always working on is, is mm-hmm. developing technology that we can use in many other ways and, and you know, looking at other products in the future and um, really building the infrastructure as well. So we have a facility, amazing R&D facility, a production facility that we can we can actually practically make these and and scale to to very large amounts. I mean that's sometimes the some of the biggest hurdles along the way. So we have we have some amazing infrastructure that allows us to do some amazing things right now. Great. Well, keep up the good work is all, all I can say. Thank you. Uh, well, I, I feel like I'm just getting started in a lot of ways. This yeah. is uh, you know we we I feel like we are we are still a young company and we're mm-hmm. uh, we're we're making things happen. Yeah, no, it's incredible. You got an awesome facility here in New York, and uh, I'm expecting even bigger things to come. So, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks thank for you inviting me in, and uh, yeah, all, all the best. Absolutely. All right. Thank thanks, you. Easton. Thanks for listening today, and remember, if you are interested in learning more about Easton and Unlimited Tomorrow, look them up online at www.unlimitedtomorrow.com. Also, if you want to learn more about how you can 3D print better using SOLIDWORKS, start at SOLIDWORKS.com AM. That's AM for additive manufacturing. We'll be back again soon with more great Born Design podcast stories at SOLIDWORKS.com podcast or wherever podcasts are readily available. Until then, keep on innovating. I really hope that what you heard today has inspired you. If you did enjoy it, head on over to iTunes and search for the Born to Design podcast. And please leave a five-star review so that this podcast will be recommended to more people. This helps us expand the Born to Design community. Thank you.